thank you for taking the time to listen to this life-changing message from the ministry of Faith Bible Chapel. We hope this message will encourage you in all parts of your life. At the end of this message, you will hear more information on how to contact our church family, as well as directions for you to visit us for any of our worship services. Until then, join us for the service in progress. So we're continuing our series that we called Essentials, Four Keys to a Growing Faith. And we've walked through them, and, and how we began to look at it is, is simply this, that God has promises for us in our lives. He has promises that were spoken in the Old Testament, promises that are spoken in the New Testament, and, and all of them can be summed up in the four statements. And I know there's a lot of other peripheral things, but all of the promises of the Bible can be summed up in these four statements that we're going to be looking at. And as we as a leadership team was, was thinking through, God, why, we as a church, why did you make us? Why did you create us? What's the purpose of the church? Why did you die for the church? Jesus, why did you give your life for the church? Because that kind of matters to make sure that we carry out his original vision for the church. Wouldn't you agree with that? I don't want to get to heaven and be like, well, you missed it, buddy. Nice try. I don't want that to happen. I want us as a church to be everything that God intended the church to be. And so as we walk through some of these things and we, we came up, we looked at the great commandment, the great commission, the leadership was, was working through that. And you can find these four things that we're going to step into in just a moment. In those, it was the great commandment where Jesus says that you can sum up the whole law of the Old Testament in, in the two commandments. Love God. And love others. And we thought that's what God wants for the church. He wants us to love God and he wants us to love others. But there has to be a purpose behind it. And the other two statements were, can be summed up in the great commandment. Or the great commission. Excuse me. That was Jesus told the disciples go into all the world and preach the gospel. And disciple nations. Disciple people. So their purpose was to reach the lost. The, the how they're going to make a difference was they were going to make disciples. But those words don't mean a whole lot to everybody. You have to explain them. And so we found some language that helped us say things better than how we were saying them. And it was the four statements that we've been talking about. And we're going to be wrapping up on the fourth one is that we as a church, all of us, God's purpose for the church is that we would know God. We would find freedom. We would discover purpose. And we would make a difference. That's all right, yeah, yeah, good, good, okay. Again, we would find God, or we would know God. We would find freedom. We would discover purpose and make a difference. Can we say that together? I, can, you, can, you, can you memorize it? That we would know God, we would find freedom, we would discover purpose, and we would make a difference. And so we're going to walk through this, and, and God's just been so good at revealing some fresh new things to us as a church, and, and I think it's really, really great. And so we, we're going to step into the book of Exodus. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Exodus chapter 6, which is really great. And in Exodus chapter 6, is, uh, there are actually in there, there are seven I wills that God tells the children of Israel. But we're going to be focusing on four of them. And later on, at another time, we're going to really focus on how these come out in some areas of the Passover. and It's really beautiful. But, but we're going to be looking at four of them, the first four. And so I want to give you context for a moment. God's people, the children of Israel, are in slavery. The yoke around their neck is not his yoke. They are being whipped, beaten, abused. The Egyptians are their slave masters. They make them work for them. They are owned by them. They don't have freedom. They are bound to their, to, to their slavery. And God says, I'm going to deliver you. And he tells Moses, you tell those people these four things we're going to look, look at. Now listen, these are prophetic statements, meaning they have not happened, but they will happen. And they weren't just for them. They are for us today. So let's go on a journey out of Exodus chapter 6. I'm going to read through each one of the statements and then give you the point underneath it. The first one, God tells Moses to tell the children of Israel, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord and I will bring you out. Can you say that with me? I will bring you out from underneath the yoke of the Egyptians. This is their, this is their salvation and this is our salvation. And it's simply this, that they would know God. That they would know God, that they would understand that they would know his yoke instead of the yoke of slavery on their necks. This is salvation. This has nothing to do with you 
thank God. It has everything to do with his power, his grace in your life. He saves you, and you just need to admit that you need to be saved, and you can be saved. That's what he's talking about. He's going to bring them out from slavery. That's his promise also through his son, Jesus Christ, that if you put your trust in him, he will bring you out from underneath the slavery and the yoke that you're wearing. The second promise or the second I will that's found in Exodus is this. He says this, tell them that I will free you from being slaves to them. I will free you from being slaves. Remember, though I thought he was going to bring them out. Well, he did. And then he said, I'm going to free you. Basically, what he was saying is this. You can be saved and still have areas in your life that are locked up from the slavery of the past. Many people come to Jesus and there are things they have to deal with on an ongoing basis. That they are saved. They are redeemed. They're a saint in God's eyes. But they are working through these areas of freedom in their lives. I want to ask you to raise your hand. I bet there are some people in here who are working through areas of freedom in your life. I'm one of them. And we're working on them. But he also says, I'm going to bring you to this place. Areas that you don't have freedom, whether it's attitudes or addictions or temptations, habitual sin. And this is the area that most people never move past, this finding freedom. Their issues define their whole life. Where do I, you know, the question is, where do I get discipled and where do I grow and how, how do I, how then do I go on? How do I find freedom? Well, I'm telling you there is safety in friends and there is safety in the body of Christ Jesus created the church to help people find freedom in their relationship with others as they love others. And there is places for us to to go forward. But this is the second week that we talked about that. This is the promise that God can help you find freedom. But now listen to me. You cannot do it alone. I know that's very difficult for an American because by golly, I do everything alone. And I'll talk to you more about that in just a moment. The third week, which is the third scripture, says this. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. When you think of this prophetically, in other words, what it says into the future, you can, you can witness and see in your mind and your heart Jesus on the cross with his outstretched arms redeeming mankind. What does it mean to redeem? It means to bring you back to your original intent. In other words, you were born with a purpose. You were born with a plan. And life stinks. And things have happened to you. And you, the Bible says that all of us went our own way. But when you put your trust in Jesus Christ, he redeems you. He brings you back to your original intent. In other words, it's brand new. And you are a new creation. That's why... It says this, that you would, which is you would discover your purpose. And that's really what it is. That you would be redeemed and you would discover your purpose. And here at the church, and our, as we move forward and understand why did God create us? Why did God create you? Why did he create us as a church? So that we can help people discover their purpose. And we're doing that through growth track. And we're doing that through other areas. But that's why studies show that 87% of Christians never get to the place of discovering their purpose. And if you don't discover your purpose, if you don't allow God to reveal your design and your destiny, it will be very difficult, very, very difficult to do this last one, which is the last promise, which is this. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. This is really about God's adopting us into his family. We become a part of his family, but there's a purpose that we would become a part of his family so that ultimately we could make a difference. That we can make a difference. The other three are about you individually. They're about about what God's doing in your life. But this promise, he groups you with a group of people. This is why it's so important. And I I love the local church. Obviously, I've committed my life to it. This is why it's so important. You don't just come to church. You choose to become a part of of a church. I just talked to a couple in the growth track and they said, you know, we've, we're new to the church. We've been around this church and this church and we just felt like we need to choose to be a part of a church and we chose this one, which I'm so excited about. That's great. 
But they said, we realize that it's unhealthy for us to go from one church to another church to another church to another church. And so in order to make a difference, you got to choose what a church. You need to become a part of it. God never saved you to make a difference just by yourself. That's the truth. He never saved you to make a difference just by yourself. God wants you to become a part of others and make a difference together in serving and in partnership. And so every person on the planet wants their life to count. No one, no one, as they're little, what do you want to be to grow up? I don't know. I just don't want my life to matter. No, no child says that. Everyone's got this fingerprint on their heart that God created you to make a difference. He created you to do something. He created you to accomplish something. He created you to be a part of something that was bigger than you and, and, and do something that is, that is transforming the world. That's what he put inside of you. And I've always gravitated towards historical figures. I love looking at different leaders over time. And, but characters that made major shifts in society. I love it. And actually, all of us think about these people like William Wilberforce. But for, for me, he's, a, he was, he's one of my heroes. He was a forerunner to the abolishment of slavery that actually not just affected England, but then affected the United States and really has affected many areas of the world. But this happened many, many years ago. The abolishment of slavery. This was a man who, who said, you know, I don't know if I, should, if I should work in the church, if I should work in politics. And someone said, well, I think you should do both. And he did. And he committed his life to, to aligning the belief that God created every human being with his plan and fingerprint on them. No one is less than another. That no man should ever own another man. And he did all of that from the principles of this word. And he led England to the abolishment of slavery all by himself. Practically with death threats. With people trying to, 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 act, to literally break in his house and kill him. I love people like that. They actually made a, a movie about them, and you need to see. It's called Amazing Grace. It's, it's awesome. Also, there's another guy. I don't know if you ever heard of him. His name is William Wallace. Anyone ever heard of William Wallace? He's, you know, I love William Wallace. I spent some time in the U.K. and went to Sterling where this battle was. And saw, he's got a monument there. It's awesome. I mean, you know, this is freedom. You know, it's just great. But he led the Scots who were being really just destroyed by the English and he helped them resist the tyranny of England and lead Scottish to independence they made a movie about him and uh, it was called Braveheart now listen Braveheart the Braveheart movie I'm just going to let you into something personally had a big impact on my life and I remember watching the movie and and like at the end he dies and 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 I thought man God I want to live my life for something I'm willing to die for and God, I want to give my life to you. This is what I want. This movie, it, it impacted me so much that I, I may have dressed up my son like William Wallace for Halloween one year. And it, it might have looked like this, actually. <laughs> so he's got the blue paint, you know. I mean, he's ready, ready to go. Um, I have not let him watch the movie, just so you know. I have not let him watch the movie. But we're all drawn to these key figures, and we think those people really made a difference. That person really made a difference. But really, making a difference, there are, there's only a handful full of William Wallace's. There's only a handful of William Wilberforce's. And can God do that? Yes, he can. But God wants to bring us as his own people to make a difference as a people group. And when you make a difference with our lives, we begin to fulfill why God made us, why he created you, why he put you on this planet. God always intended for you to live a life of fulfillment. Most people think if I could just get, get God to stop all the stuff in my life, I'd be good. If I just get God to stop all the negative stuff or the bad stuff, then I'm fine. I'm, I'm, I'm good. But not having something in your life that you don't want it's not living to your fullest potential. And it's not living up to what Jesus purchased on the cross. If your goal is that, you know what, I just want, I want God just to take things out of my life and I'm fine. I'm just stay right where I am. And I'm telling you, you're going to live a life that's not satisfying. You're going to live a life that's less than what God has for you. Because I promise you, God has more for you. He has more for you. 
And we here at the church, we're committed to walk this journey with you because we believe God has more for us as those who are leading the church. And just because we're leading it doesn't mean, we, you know, oh, we've arrived. No way. We're like, God, we want all that you have for us. And we believe you're going to take us as a church to possess all that you have for us together. But n- many of us never take this step of making a difference. Many of us never take this fourth step of making a difference. And we end up living what's called in your notes the unfulfilled life. We end up living this life that is unfulfilled. Many of us are hindered and prevented in taking this last step because we have an enemy that's called the devil. We have an enemy who has a plan for your life. Just like God's plan, God has a plan for your life, the enemy has a plan for your life. He wants to kill your future, which that's what we, Jesus says in John 10.10. 10. Now, I want you guys to catch this for a moment. I'm, we're going to read Satan's plan for your life. And then we're going to talk about what God's plan is for your life, okay? Jesus says this, the thief, speaking of Satan, comes only, only. In other words, nothing he does is of any good whatsoever. Only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Who wants that for your life plan? Nobody. But that's what Satan has for you. Then Jesus says, but wait a minute. I have come that they, that you may have life and have it to the full, to the fullest. There's a full life that's in front of us. And so many people live their lives, the unfulfilled life, because of these three things. So if this, is, if this is what God has for us to live the life to the fullest, why don't we live it? I just want to give you three things that, and I'm sure there are more of them. There are three things that I believe we don't live the unfulfilled life and why we don't. Number one is this, we allow our past to hinder us. The enemy is constantly reminding us of our past. And we're going through our life and we're looking backwards and we're reliving the mistakes of the past. And the past is a prison that we're living in. It's our pain. It's our tragedies, it's our disappointments, it's what someone did to you at work or what someone said to you, how a friend harmed you, what happened to you at church or what a pastor said to you or, or, or someone at church said to you, hurts from others, our own mistakes, and we feel like we're a prisoner of our past. We think, you know what, I, I, I can't, I, I just can't make a difference because of what my past says. And you feel like you're a prisoner. You feel like you are locked up with your mistakes and you just got to deal with it. Let me tell you something. You need to hear this today. Because of what Jesus has done on the cross, he broke open every prisoner door that could ever be locked up and possible on the earth. He shattered it. He set your heart free from captivity that you may, you may be a product of your past, but I'm telling you, you were not a prisoner of it if you were in, in Jesus Christ. Do you believe that today? There has never been a prison door of your past that God cannot unlock and open up. There has never been a prison door. There's never been a mistake that God cannot unlock. Yeah, there are consequences of our mistakes along the way. But he can set you free. You are not to be a prisoner of your past. That's a good word, man. I'm telling you that's good. You know, when you look back and you, and, and you begin to say, you know, God, I just, I just God, I know, yeah, I know you want to do something with me, but, but I'm too bad. And I've done this and I've, I, I've done that. I want you to know that the word can't is not in God's vocabulary. No, no, nobody has ever um, painted him in a corner. Including you. No, nobody has ever done something so, so extreme that he says, I'm sorry, you, I, you know, you're done. And, and while you're crying, God, I'm sorry, forgive me. No, I'm sorry, you just, you're, you're, you've gone too far. No sin is greater than the blood of Jesus Christ. No sin. Paul, who was a murderer... The writer of most of the New Testament was a murderer. He was an arrogant religious person. You ever met one of those? 
He made everybody feel bad about everything they ever did or tried to do. And he murdered people. He looked back at his past after he had been redeemed by Jesus Christ. And he said this in Philippians 3. I am forgetting what is behind. And I am straining towards what is ahead. Because I'm going to make a difference. Don't let your past stop you from God's best. And you know how, how, you, you, know how you solve this issue? It's very easy. You confess your sins. You say, Jesus, I'm sorry. You receive God's forgiveness. And you say, God, I'm, I'm going to live my life and I commit my life to you. And you begin to walk a journey and you take a step towards God. You begin to get involved in a small group here. You begin to take your first step, get into growth track. You get baptized and make your public declaration. And I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. That's what you do. And then you begin to move on. Another way that we live an unfulfilled life is we allow the world to define us. Our culture, our world can influence so much that we actually end up adopting the world's standard in our life. The world's ways that we learn from and we, and we experience, we end up living a life that's not God's life for us because we think it's the right way because how clever the world tries to impose that onto us. Whether it's a ladder of how you live your life or a ladder of success or ladder of no matter what, what you give to, you climb this ladder and you think it's the right one, you get to the top and it's leaned up against the wrong wall. You think, uh-oh. At the end of your life, you've, you've lived your life under the culture of the world. And we can spend our lives trying to please men and please the world and, 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 and really just kind of make excuses in our lives. And we, we're always responding to the pressures of men, of mankind around us. We are under extreme pressure. We are in a world that is more wicked than the world's ever been. But I, I kind of believe that that's why God called the church to be the church, to be the light, to press back against the darkness, to move God's kingdom forward. You know, he left that to us. But we can be pressured by it. We can begin to alter our attitudes the way we think. And the world's constantly re redefining you, redefining what the word says. And we, we end up saying statements like this, well, yeah, yeah, but I don't think God would really want that or or you know what I don't know if the Bible really means that and the world defines us why because we we want to please men mankind the devil is doing this in society trying to redefine everything redefine marriage redefine sexuality redefine relationships to create so much confusion that you, you, you never can find God's purpose because you're, you're swirling around with what's right, what's not right. Listen, if it's not, it, whatever this word says, that's actually what God means. God never wrote anything in his word that he actually meant the exact opposite of. And so we can be pressured. Our kids who are going to college, our kids who are in high school, man, they are under pressure we got to pray for them. You in your workplace, you are under pressure to conform, to conform, to conform, and to please men. But Paul says this in Galatians. He says this, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. In other words, live your life. To please God. Don't allow the world to define you. Don't allow the world to shape you. If, you. if you live your life trying to please the world or men, you will live an unfulfilled life. Nobody wants to live an unfulfilled life. I want to live my life. At the end of my life, it's like I was wrung out like a, like a wash rag with last drop into the grave. I'll go. That's what I want. But if I, if I try to please men and mankind, that won't happen. So let's make a commitment as a church to live to please God. Amen? And all that we do. And the last one that keeps, us from living in, uh, that keeps us living an unfulfilled life where we don't make a difference is number three, we try to do it alone. 
We all want to make a difference, but for many of us as Americans, we think about this from a place of independence. When you think, I want to make a difference, it's rare that we think about, I want to make a difference with a group of people. It's rare that you think, I want to make a difference with my church. You think, I want to make a difference with me. I want to be the superstar. And our world and our culture defines and, and elevates those who, who make a difference. Now, can God raise up a person here and there to really lead a charge? Absolutely, he can. But there is this, at this last promise that spoke of that I will make you my people. In other words, I will demonstrate to the world that I am God through your life as a people group, as a church. And actually, even, even Christian society has lifted, man, the only people who are making a difference, those are only those superstars on TV who preach and have funny haircuts. Those are really the only ones that are making a difference. And we can be influenced and we can miss out. If, if we... If, if you think of making a difference, it's just one person, you're wrong. Making a difference according to God's ways, making a difference in partnership with others. And I believe we miss out on God's plan if we go the other way because we're influenced deeply by our culture. And there was a study that was done about the American culture, which is really fascinating. And you know what they, they found the top two values for us as Americans are? Individuality and privacy. So in our culture that we, that we grow up in, that's the things you've got to look into. Listen, never let your, your nationality become greater than your citizenship in heaven. Never do that. That's called idolatry. Don't do it. Our culture value says this. If I'm going to make a difference, it's going to be then something that I come up with my own. And when I come up with it, I'm going to do it alone. Because I'm going to be private about it. So everything is about the one person. Even churches deal with this. There are churches that are dying in cities all around the United States. And they think, nope, because this is the way we do it. They don't ever open their hearts to think, is another church reaching people in a way that we're not reaching? They think, no, because this is the way we do it. We're an individual. We're not going to learn from anybody else. Because we, as a church, are going to make a difference. I think God's called the church to learn from one another, to say, listen, how do you do that better? How do you do that better? We're called the body of Christ. And if so if another church is reaching more people for Jesus, guess what? I'm going to call them and say, how are you reaching people for Jesus? What are you doing? What's your philosophy? How do you walk it out? What's your systems? If another church is making more disciples and taking them deeper in the word, what are you doing? Can I learn? From, yeah, can I? Oh, gosh, that's really good. I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that. Why? Life, our church doesn't exist to make a name for ourselves. I don't exist to make a name for myself. I exist to help lead this church so that we can reach as many people as possible with the gospel of Jesus and take them as deep as possible so that when Jesus returns, he can find us doing well. Amen? Most people don't engage with making a difference with a group of people because they want to do it by themselves. They don't make a difference because they're not doing it God's way. God's way always involves other people. Say that with me. God's way always involves other people. Also, the enemy wants you alone so bad. He knows that this is the key to unlocking revival on the face of the planet. Just a side thought here. What do you think the enemy would oppose the most on the earth? I think he would oppose the most a strategy and a passion to save the lost. Because his plan is to still kill and destroy. Jesus' plan that is that we could have life. So if you want to stir up a little opposition from the enemy, start thinking about how can God use me? To be a part of reaching lost people. Satan wants to destroy the creation that God has made. Mankind. And he will do whatever it takes to keep you from fulfilling your purpose. Because he knows when you fulfill your purpose, the kingdom of God moves forward and people are saved. But the enemy wants you alone so bad that he will cause pain in your relationships. 
so that you will never trust anyone ever again, so that you'll be alone, so that you won't fulfill your purpose and you'll never make a difference. You'll be suspicious of people all the time. You'll, because of the pain, you'll live guarded. And you'll think, all, you know, you'll think, listen, all I need in my life is, is me, Jesus, and my Bible. And your, your small groups, your, your small group ends up being a, being a little too small because it's just you. <laughs> and you say, you know, I, I don't know. No, those people, I don't like those people. Listen. Then the enemy's winning in your life. If you're, if you're leaving a body that God has placed you in because of something that could be small or insignificant, and you're going to go be by yourself, the enemy has you right where he wants you. He wants to isolate you so you cannot make a difference. If you isolate yourself, you will never... Make a difference. I believe that. There was even, there's a passage in, this, in Scripture about a man who has great wealth. He has lots of things. He's got his Bible and, lot, and a beautiful house to sit in. Ecclesiastes 4, it says this. There was a man all alone. Say all alone. All alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. Why? Why why weren't his eyes content with his wealth and and his Bible study by himself and his house and car and money? Because he was all alone. Because it wasn't doing anything. God intended us to be with others so that we can make a difference. He wants us to live interdependent, not independent. America says live independent. God says live interdependent. That we should make a difference. I want to look at the promise, that prophetic promise, as we get into this next section very quickly. Exodus 6, 7. This is how we make a difference. And God says this, I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. In other words, I'm going to do something amazing in your midst that's never been done before. You need to be a part of a people. You need to be a part of a church. And this looks like something. It's not just a statement. It looks like something. God's inviting you to be a part of a family. If you discover that, that you're a hand, you're like, oh, look, I'm a hand in the body of Christ. But I don't want the rest of the body. Well, guess what? That's not going to work out very well for you. You might be a hand, but you're not going to do anything. You need to be connected to the body. I need to be connected to you. I, I, I need you. There, there, there are things I can't do. There are things I'm not good at. I, that's, that should be the case. I, that's just a reality. My ear is not good at, at tying my shoes. So if, I, if I'm a part of the body and, and I, I can't do things, well, that's okay. You can't do everything. That's why you need to be a part of a church and of a body. This promise is this, that once we become a part of a people and he takes us to be a part of his family, that he's going to do something in us that's going to matter in the world. God says, I've got something for you that's beyond you. God's saying, I will take you and I will make you my people. If you're covered by the blood of Jesus today, he has made you his people. And, I will, and, and he's, he'll say, I'm going to get involved. I'm going to get in the middle of you. I'm going to put you in a place that involves other people. And it's going to be changing lives around you. That allows us to leave a legacy and leave a mark. Most people say, listen, I want to I leave a legacy for myself. Listen, nothing wrong with wanting to leave a legacy. But here's the problem. The legacy that you want to leave is that everyone remembers your name. What if you lived your life in a way that everyone remembered Jesus' name? What if you lived your life in a way that there were souls that were saved because of your investment, because of your time, and you were, if you were a hand, you were a hand, if you were a foot, you were a foot, if you were a finger, you were a finger. It didn't matter that you said, I'm going to give what I have to this body, faith Bible chapel that God's called me to be a part of. And we begin to see thousands of people get to know Jesus Christ. And that the legacy of Jesus 
would live on. Not the legacy of Faith Bible Chapel, but the legacy of Jesus. God says, listen, if you'll do this, if you allow me to get in the midst of you and leave my legacy and allow us to make a mark in the kingdom of God in partnership with God, God says, I will jump in the middle of this church, Faith Bible Chapel. I will pour out my spirit on you. I will do things that people shake their heads at and say, how in the world did they do that? And we will respond because it's God's church and he leads us. And we're a part of this because we did it with others. So this is a step of making a difference. And it first starts with this. Number one, it starts with a calling. I love this because God has called you to make a difference. God's calling is on your life. You might be thinking, Jason, I thought God's calling was just for pastors. Um, No, it's not. You can't find that in the Bible anywhere. Did you know that? You can't find that the only people who are called are pastors or people who work in the church. Not at all. The call of God is for, think about this. The call of God is for every single person who calls themselves a Christian and is covered by the blood of Jesus. God's call is on your life. You need to turn and tell someone, God's call is on your life. Tell them. God's call is on your life. Tell them. Come on, say it like you mean it. God's call is on your life. Doesn't that feel good? Feels good. Because you're speaking the truth. I try to do this with my children as much as possible. To my son, son, you are called of God. God's call is on your life. God's hand is on your life. I tell my daughter, God's, you are a woman of God. You are called of God. I speak it over them and I speak it over you because it's true. How do I know that they're called? How do I know that you're called? Let me show you. 2 Timothy 1.9, I love how the message reads it. It says, God saved us and then what? Called us to this what? Holy work. We had nothing to do with it, thank God. It was all his idea, a gift prepared for us in Jesus long before we knew anything about it. So what has God called you to do? He's called you to make a difference. He's called you to make your life matters. And here's the the reality. People lose their way when they lose their why. If you don't know why you're here, if you don't know why God put you on this earth, if you don't know why, you're going to lose your way. And I bet you we could, there are hundreds of stories in this room that said, you know what? I kind of lost the why. There are churches all around America that lose their why. And they lose their way. It doesn't matter what your job is. You are called of God. Secondly, how you can make a difference and something to to know about making a difference is this. Number two, your calling is a cause that counts. Your calling is a cause that counts. God's call on your life matters. It matters. You're called to partner with to do, to work, to serve with a cause in mind. You might, you might be thinking, well, you know, what I do doesn't matter. What, well, what I do doesn't really have an impact. Listen, motive is everything. If you do what you're doing and knowing that you're doing it to be a witness of God and everything that you do, it matters to God and it matters to other people around you. You are to use your job, to use your money, to use your house, to use your talents, to use your car, to use your clothes you wear, the words that you say, your time, your heart. Everything you do is saying something about God. If you understood that, how would that change the way that you lived your life? If we could totally embrace that, how would that change the way we came to church? That everything I do, It's about saying something about God. Acts 20, 24 says this, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. As we read earlier, everyone is called to his holy work that has been assigned to you before you were ever born. You're called of God. 
you're called of God. Which is the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. That's what our calling is. It's to live our lives in such a way that it tells everyone about the wonderful grace of God. Then finally is this, making a difference, number three, it begins with me, but it is fulfilled in we. It begins with me, but it's fulfilled in we. There's an invitation that's going to all, every person in this room today, that you would join with your heart, your soul, your mind, this people group called Faith Bible Chapel, that God has called you to. Here's, here's the great thing. Ecclesiastes 4 now. I want you to hang with me just for a minute. A lot of times when John comes up here, you check out. Don't do it. I know. I'm clever. I know what you're doing. <laughs> I want you to read this. Ecclesiastes 4. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. Two are better than one. In other words, one plus one doesn't equal two. That's what that means. One plus one equals ten. One plus one has an impact. When we gather together, when we make a commitment, you know what? I'm, 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 I'm going I'm to be a part of something. I'm going to serve. I'm going I'm to give them my life. But here at the church, here's the key to all of this. In order to make a difference, we, we need to understand we make a difference with people who want to make a difference. It's really hard to... to uh, to hook yourself to a wagon that's going the opposite way than where you're going. And so we want to, you're gonna, we're going to make a difference with people who want to make a difference. So the impact we're going to have with the church is going to be because we decide we're going to make a difference. So if, the, if you want to make a difference with your life, I'm telling you, this is the place for you. You're going to make a difference. I, that's my job. That's what God's called me to do. I, I've spent my life trying to live my life in a way that honors God. I've done things that I was totally freaked out and uncomfortable with, because, but I felt like God was still wanting me to make a difference. I want you to fulfill why God, why God made you, why He called you here, why you're a part of this beautiful body that I call my family. We exist as a church to make a difference, doing something that makes a difference. With a church family that wants to make a difference. Listen, we want to reach our city for Jesus Christ. I wish, I was talking to, to Zach, our youth pastor, backstage. I wish, I'm praying, God, give me a glimpse of your heart for the lost. What was the whole reason why God sent His Son to the earth? It was for the who? It was for the lost. When did that change? If the church exists to carry out the mission of God, did that change? Did somewhere along the way God say, you know what? Stop looking at the lost. Just focus on you. Nowhere along the way did God say, you know what, that sacrifice of my son on the cross, um, it was just for a certain time period. And so the church doesn't, you know, you, you don't need to do anything about that. Most of the time in church, you have two extremes. All across the nation, it's, it's, it happens all the time. You have one church that focuses on discipleship. No, 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 you got, you got, to, you got to learn more. you got to go deeper. It's, it's right, and you need to focus on discipleship. You need to understand who you are in Christ. You need to understand how to read the Bible. You need to understand how to grow in your faith. You need to understand. But here's what happens. They focus on we or on me so much that they forget about reaching the lost. Then the other extreme of the church in, in America is they focus on the lost. Reach the lost, reach the lost, reach the lost, reach the lost, and that they are, they, there's no discipleship. Either one. And God's calling us to be a church to do both because that is what he told the disciples. Go and reach the lost and make disciples. They go hand in hand. It, it creates tension and you have to make some changes. And, you know, you want to reach as many as the lost, but you, you, hang on. we got to make sure we're set up to disciple. We want to disciple. No, hang on. we got to make sure we're reaching the lost. 
Listen, we need to have the heart of God. God needs to lay on us, and only He can do it. I, I, I can stand up here and, and tell you and share with you and pray for you and all of that. I, I can't do it. I can't. But what I do know is that He wants His church, Faith Bible Chapel, to have His exact heart for reaching our city, for reaching our neighbors. We want to serve people in our surrounding area in our community. We want to do mission work. We want to do outreach. We want want people to be in small groups. I want every one of you to have a meaningful relationship. Yeah, maybe that's just, Jason, you're being idealistic. I don't care. I'm idealistic. Everything we do must have a component of impact. Not just in our personal lives. Not just so we can get more knowledge. So that we can do something with the knowledge. It doesn't matter if you think you know what date Jesus is coming back and it's going to be the seventh moon or the fourth bloody sun next to the, the goat on the western bank with his left leg raised up. If you're not doing anything about it, it doesn't matter. I believe Jesus is coming back. He's coming back soon. I believe he's coming within my lifetime. I believe it. At any moment, that that's, the sky's going to break open and he's coming back for his church. And we can see that people around us do not know Jesus. And they don't. And here's my challenge. And I, I really want you to hear my heart. This is my challenge to me as well. What are we doing about it? Because when he comes back, and we hallelujah, shout, wave our hanky. Listen, Peter said, live in the anticipation that Christ could return at any moment. What's that anticipation? In other words, live your life in a manner that is focused on reaching those whose destiny is hell. And not stop focusing on you. Live your life to do the work, the holy work that we're each called to. Live your life to do that work. And that looks like a hundred different things because of God's unique calling on your life, how you live your life. You won't be sitting here today with Jason, listen, I'm just trying to, 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 I'm just in the middle of a broken marriage. But listen, God wants to meet you exactly where you are today. Jason, I'm in the middle of an addiction. God wants to meet you right where you are today. Jason, I'm just worried about my kids. Like, this world's so evil. Listen, I'm telling you, I have the same concerns as you. But we must set an example to our children what it means to live a life that's called a Christian. I'm I'm passionate about this. I don't don't have, listen, I'm not the answer man. But I do know what God's word says about all of this. And there are things that we can choose to do that we are going to be still, we're going to focus on the lost. We're going to focus on discipleship. We're going to focus on reaching the lost. That people would know God. That God would use us to somehow get them out of slavery. That they would, they would find their freedom in relationships through small groups or celebrate recovery, whatever it may be. That they would discover purpose. And that they would make a difference. We as a church could be a church that delights in the thousands of people who come to know Jesus. We will always preach the word. I'm sorry. If, you, it's, if you're stuck with me, that's what I'm going to do. But, but, but I will not preach the word without God's original heart and mind of why he came, the life that he gave. Why did he redeem you? Why did he call you? He's called us to make a difference. There are simple things that we can start doing. As I've said before, every weekend we're going to give an opportunity for people to get saved every weekend. I'm telling you, since we've been doing it, every weekend people are getting saved. That's an amazing thing. Every weekend. Here's a simple thing. I'm just going to ask you, if you know someone that doesn't know Jesus, invite them to your church. If you're embarrassed of me, then just tell them to close their eyes when I'm preaching. <laughs> we, we want to make sure that, that people who come to our church, who need Jesus, whose destiny is hell, they feel loved and welcomed here. 
It doesn't mean we're altering everything. It just means we're, we're focusing that every weekend. Remember, we have two things. We're going to disciple people and we're going to reach the lost. Every weekend, we're going to get a chance for people to get saved. We're going to offer opportunities for people to grow through our growth track. Step one, two, three, and four. That's it. And after the fourth, you're going to have options. So where are we going to plug in? How are we going to serve together? Man, I've, I've already, my wife and I have already, we're in a small group. I'm not leading the small group. I'm, I'm just, I'm going to be in it. Why? Because I need people in my life. I need you. And you need people. I'm excited for what God has for us. I'm excited for what God has for you. And we're on a journey. And it's awesome. Because God is awesome. And he's leading us in this fresh season. That people could know God, they could find freedom, they could discover purpose, and they can make a difference with their life. My friends, God has a difference-making path for you. And that's why we come together and we're the body. That's why we serve on the weekends. That's why, listen, you don't know what you can do to someone out in the atrium just by loving them. I was in youth ministry for eight years, and I always told, told my leaders, listen, you don't come into youth group and say, here I am. That's, that, that's, the, that's the heart of a lot of volunteers and leaders in churches. They walk in, here I am. I said, no, 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 no. You come and you say, there you are. Hey, I've missed you. Hey, are you new here? Hey, my name's, my name's Jason. What's your name? There you are. Hey, I saw you last week. I haven't seen you. How are you doing? There you are. How's your mom? How's your, how's your wife? How's your, oh, there you are. I've been looking for you. You changed the posture of here I am to there you are. And that's what all of us are to do. We come in this. We walk here. That we're, There are lost people here. There are people just like you. We're just waiting for the gospel to be preached for them to be able to receive it. That's just one aspect. It's a little thing. And there are many, many others. But we want you to go deep. We want you to, to look up and look out. Jesus says the harvest is plentiful. But the workers, there aren't enough of those. I think God wants to raise up some workers here in our church. And it's you and I together making a difference. Let's all stand to our feet as we close today. We hope that this message has spoken something personal to you. If you would like more information about our church family or service times, please call us at 303-424-2121 or visit us at our website www.fbci.org Faith Bible Chapel currently meets in our Family Worship Center located on the corner of 62nd Avenue and Ward Road.